Sponsoring today's episode, Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Everyone, how you doing? Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to tonight's stream. And we have a very special guest making his way back to the channel, John Bitzer of Baseball Trade Values. John, how you doing, man? It's been a little while. I feel like the last yeah. time we were here, we were uh, all over the Juan Soto trade talk. But uh, I feel like it's time to get back into the trade talk. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. We were, um, I know we were doing this fairly often last summer up to the trade deadline, which was a lot of fun and great. So, and now we're sort of at a point where the market's about to turn, I think, because we've seen a lot of free agents go off the board. And so if you're a team that still wants to acquire somebody who's an upgrade, where are you going to go now? You're going to go to the trade market. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, all the pictures are basically gone. So If you're looking for some starting pitching, I mean, you still got a couple out there, Nathan Evaldi, but he's got draft pick compensation tied to him. So, you know, who knows how many teams are really in on him. You got a guy like Corey Kluber struggled in the second half. Um, You know, a couple other little names like Michael Waka is still out there, but, you know, game changer kind of guys, not really a whole lot on the free agent market. So I would imagine teams were, will start to look to the trade market now for pitching. And uh, we also got some impact players out there as well. Uh, In the last couple of days, Raphael Devers and the Red Sox, it's looking like maybe an extension might not be as close as maybe we were thinking they were getting to. Um, We've got Liam Hendricks getting into the news. We've had Brian Reynolds in the news in the last few weeks. Kind of just what are your thoughts right now on just the trade market just as a whole, like, do you th- yeah. do you expect a very busy season with trades? Do you think we could start to see like a flurry or maybe, you know, maybe a couple here or there? So what I think ha- was happening was, you know, teams, GMs are given budgets by their owners. OK, here you have 60 million. I'm just making that up. But let's say you do. So what they're going to do is going to go out and spend that money. Right. Which is what most people would do. You know, grandpa gives you a gift card. Okay, I'm going to go spend it. So um, um, they're going to do that first before giving up prospects or things that they value in-house, you know, to make those acquisitions. So now they've been spending that money, right? Because that's easier. And and now they're up against those budgets and they're like, okay, now we got to get get creative here. Now, the other thing, so that's one dynamic. And the other dynamic is more and more, as we've seen over the years, teams don't want to give up their top prospects. So like there's a kind of a barrier there. It's kind of blocking things. You don't mm-hmm. see those kind of movements like you did 10 years ago. Like they don't want to move those top guys because they know those guys are six years of production at a cheap rate. Right. Right. Yeah. So those are their futures. Those top guys are their future, either stars or, you know, regulars. So two ward and up guys. And so they will talk about the guys underneath that sort of the mid and lower tier, but you know, in our system and at baseball trade values, you know, those are the single digit guys and you can't yeah. really 
you know, you know what I mean? There's a mismatch there, right. you know, for an impact player. Mm -hmm. So unless you put together five or six of those guys, which is not always easy or good. So totally. that's, well, that's the totally. whole thing. Yeah. I mean, unless, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, teams doing a lot of prospect hugging, you know, in the yeah. last few years, uh, unless you're looking at a guy like a Juan Soto, like a, like an impact yeah. kind of a guy. Um, you know, we've, we've seen some other pretty decent prospects as well, but that package for Juan Soto, that was, uh, those were some top, top guys, but yep. it took yep. that kind of a player to get it, you know, to get those prospects. Yeah. And, and by the way, those, some of those guys have also increased in value. Mm. Um, James Wood, um, and he's already, oh, yeah. he's, he's gone on a tear. So like, he was like, I think maybe in the twenties and now he's up to in the forties or so. So in our, yeah. in our model. So, yeah. So, so the Nats got a really good deal out of that. And that was very unusual. Yeah. You know, it, that pa I love that package that they got. I remember we were talking, you know, with Soto, you know, it was looking like it was, it was either the Padres or the Cardinals. You know, we, we right. both liked the Cardinals because you had like a, a couple of higher pieces, but the Padres in the end, they had the depth. Um, you know, a few more guys that they could have added to that deal. So, uh, but now uh, I don't know if we're going to be seeing any kind of, you know, high level trades like that, where, you know, going to be giving up tons of prospects like that. But um, I right now, before we really AJ Preller, though, <clears throat> yeah, oh, AJ yeah. Preller could always surprise you. Like he might trade Jackson Merrill as top guy. Who knows if you really sees an impact player in the market, he's, he's not afraid to pull that trigger. Yeah, you know, it's funny when you look at the Padres, you think like they, they got to be out of prospects at this point. But then you go look, and it's like they still got a couple. You know? Yeah, they got that guy. <laughs> right. And it's like, man, they just, they still just have this one or one or two guys. And yeah. uh, uh, before we do really dive into everything, who right now do you think personally is the big trade chip that most likely could be on the move? If you were to kind of take a shot in the dark, which guy do you think? could end up getting moved. Um, you know, the Marlins have been quiet. And, you know, and I feel like Pablo Lopez has been dangling out there for so long. And no. given given what we see in the pitching market and teams are starting to, like, overpay for Jordan Lyles or whatever, and, like, Pablo Lopez, by comparison, he's good and cheap. So, like, that may – I think that may be the next obvious one. And they've been signaling that for a while. So they're probably getting lowballed because they've been signaling it. You know, there's some poker playing going on here. Um, and the same with, you know, the Pirates and Reynolds. You know, they've, you know, it's clear Reynolds wants to be traded. They don't want to, they don't want to call that bluff, but yeah, but they're probably getting under underbid <clears throat> because of that. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's the other sort of dynamic. The Marlins are probably getting underbid and the Pirates are probably getting underbid. Doesn't mean they're not going to get moved. The same thing was happening with Sean Murphy to some degree, I think where the, yeah. pull the trigger. <clears throat> oh yeah. I mean, you know what now, since you bring him up, I mean, I gotta, I gotta get your quick thoughts on that, that, uh, you know, it's crazy. You had three teams in that deal and the one team that you would think that would get the best package back would be the A's. And according to the values, according to the number yeah. crunches, they got the worst package out of all of it. Even the Brewers did better than them in, in terms of when you crunch the numbers. I mean, what are your <clears throat> thoughts on oh, yeah. that Let whole thing? So, so if you just look at the A's and the Braves, it was fair, right? If the A's had taken Contreras back and the other pitchers, it lined up very, very well. It was like 50 to 51 or something very close, you know? Mm -hmm. But then the A's didn't need Contreras, right? <clears throat> so in a sense, they flipped him to Milwaukee. And by the way, Milwaukee got two other throw-in pitchers. Yeah. For Esturi Ruiz, who was not very highly rated. 
I can't find anybody in the industry who, who agrees with the A's. The A's overvalued Ruiz, what it comes down to. Contreras, you've got he was an all-star, great hitter, five years of cheap control. Yeah. Yes, maybe not the greatest defensive catcher, you know, but even if he's a DH, that's five years of good hitter for a guy who was like your eighth prospect, who already had a cup of coffee and didn't do well, who has no power. Uh, what <laughs> you know and yeah. even if you look at the brewers beat writers they're like hey we got Contreras and these two pitchers and we gave up our eighth prospect like like even they can't believe it right so yeah, it's I like they it's- just gotta like i imagine i was talking on my stream and uh i was just like imagining you know head guy there he's probably playing some putt putt in his office his phone just starts <laughs> ringing and he's like uh oh yeah sure uh yeah we could we could do something like that yeah uh yeah sure let me let me connect you to the secretary. We'll give you some phone numbers, blah, blah, blah. You know, like I, I'm just, they, yeah. I don't know. They, I, I can't believe Yeah. That. So I have another theory on that, which is, so the A's are small market team. They've been really trying to, to, to target like, oh, we need an elite player. So they, they overreach sometimes to try to get that. They spend a bunch of money in the internet draft for a guy like Robert Pisuan, a possible possible who busts. They, yeah. they overpay for like an Austin Beck in the draft and he busts. And they're still trying. And then most of the time they bust, but they're still trying. And I think they're overreaching here as well. Yeah. It's uh it's crazy how, you know, trades can just happen like that. You know, it's, yeah. it's pretty weird, but Let's start diving into everything. And, uh, you know, because we do have quite a few trade candidates to talk about. And, uh, you know, it's funny how I was just talking with, uh, you know, I've been doing the Believe in Red Sox podcast with Ellis Burks. And we were just talking last night how dominoes can just fall where the Red Sox had not even been once connected with Justin Turner this offseason. They've been connected. You know, they're always connected with guys, but. You were looking at maybe Dansby Swanson. They've been looking for a right-handed hitter. He came off the board. They went to J.D. Martinez. He was off the board. And then all of a sudden, Justin Turner is just right there. And it's just funny how the market can just shape up like that. And yeah. the same thing can happen very much so with trades. Yeah. And um, and now I think, like we just said, a lot of these chips are now off the board. And now you can start getting a little creative. So I think the first guy... I mean, maybe I'm being a little biased here, but I think the first guy we got to talk about is Raphael Devers. Um, I mean, if you really think about it, this kind of gives me a little deja vu of when Mm -hmm. I first found baseball trade values. The one guy that was kind of the uh, the the big ticket was Mookie Betts. Mm -hmm. And now it almost feels like the same exact situation even when you look at the values uh, i think mookie i can't remember what his value was exactly but i think when you combined david price's negative value i think it ended up being around the same of what devers is currently devers is currently at 37 million dollars worth of surplus value yep so i think bets was around that with bryce's contract yeah so, <clears throat> this feels like deja vu yeah. um yeah you're devers, right so mookie was in the 50s Price was, I think, negative sixteen because he was owed yeah. like thirty-two yeah. million a year, and they covered half of that. So, right. So, so, so the net was in the high thirties. So it's very similar. Mm-hmm. So right now, kind of, what are your just overall thoughts on that whole situation? I mean, I'm sure this yeah. has been bringing back memories of of the Mookie Betts trades. Kind of, what are your thoughts right now with Rafi Devers and the Red Sox overall? Yeah, a lot so, of hate lately. <laughs> yeah. So first of all, from the players' perspective. Once they're that close to free agency, like you're a year away, 
they tend to bet on themselves. They tend, they don't want to take an extension because extensions are usually slightly below market value. Right. And they're like, oh, I'm only a year away. I'm not, I'm going to wait for market value. There's a, especially after this off season where, you know, overspending. And if you look at the free agent crop next year, you know, there's a Tawny, but there's not a whole lot of other big names. This year you had Judge and DeGrom and Verlander and, you know, all these big names. Next year, it's just Otani and, you know, there's not that much else. So Devers would be in very high demand as a free agent. So I'm sure his agent has talked to him about this and said, nope, don't sign an extension because you're going to be a hot ticket next year. So so therefore, you know, he's not going to take an extension. So now you've got, the, from the Red Sox point of view, um, well, you can try. It sounds like they have been trying, but without much luck. So the rational thing to do would be to trade him. Now, the other option is to wait till the deadline. I'm just working on an article for this week about mm-hmm. like in general, should you trade in the off season or should you trade at the deadline? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to sort of, you know, give you a sneak peek, but the overwhelming evidence suggests you should trade in the off season because there's just more surplus there. Even if you sort of factor in the deadline dynamics and, you know, the fact that crazy things can happen by and large, that's true of the off season to some degree, but you just get a year's worth of surplus plus the draft pick value for because he's going to get QO'd plus sort of the postseason extra month because he'd be traded to a contender presumably so that adds up and we've got all of that factored in now so you should trade him now if you're the Red Sox yeah I I, uh I would say personally if I I mean I could be very wrong about it but I guess if I'm going by what I've remembered for years now it feels like if you're going to trade for a position player probably the better time is the off season. And it feels like pictures at the deadline tend to get more of that, uh, that bias, I would say, because they're looking for that guy for the stretch run, you know, to start game two or game three of a postseason game. Um, so it seems to be kind of the way it seems to go. Pictures tend to get traded at the deadline. At least that's how it feels like to me, unless you're Juan Soto. Um, yeah. And then, you know, you go for the position players. You've seen the big position players in the past, like, Miguel Cabrera, Alex Rodriguez, you know, those are mostly yeah. the offseason moves. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but I agree with you. I definitely think, especially for the GMs, I think prefer it too, because you have a little more time, you know, to work yeah. on these deals. So, yeah, you know, deadline is just chaotic. So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. if, if you were to kind of look at a team right now, uh, I did a video on Raphael Devers and some yeah. you know trade possibilities. I, I came up with five teams, um, came up with a couple of teams that are probably on the outside looking in. They're probably not going to do it. I, I named teams like the Marlins who have prospects, but probably don't have the money to sign them long term. Yeah. Um, but then or some higher level market teams like the Phillies or the Mets or the Dodgers that make some sense when it comes to having the prospects available and also having the cash to you know, look to do some kind of an extension, just like with Mookie Betts. So if you're to kind of lean one way right now with Rafi Devers, which team do you personally think seems to make the most sense? I'm looking at the Dodgers. And I know this is going to ring some bells with you <laughs> with Mookie, but um, <laughs> it's I mean, weird yeah. how like, well, who's playing third base for the Dodgers right now? I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, and even, uh, um you know, I guess Muncy is their first baseman, but you know he moves around a bit. So like they, they play some flexible. second too. Yeah, he has. They have this whole flexible model there, and like mm-hmm. I guess they're playing Gavin Lux at short. So in other words, they could use another guy in that infield. And mm-hmm. you know, I know they just signed JD, but you know they could always use another bat. And the Dodgers have this sneaky way of kind of waiting for things to fall into their lap. 
you know, they generally play the second half of the offseason more so than the first half because they're they're just sort of lurking in the in the weeds there. And I think this is a this is one of those cases. Yeah, and you just mentioned uh, you know, the Marlins have been pretty quiet. Well, the Dodgers yeah. have also been very quiet. Yeah. Um, there was you know, there was a report uh that you know Trevor Bauer could end up maybe getting some of his suspension reduced and maybe some money back. So the Dodgers have been kind of hanging back a little bit, kind of waiting to hear, you know, what's going to happen with that. Um, so that's why they haven't been as aggressive, you know, signing Freeman last year. Um, but absolutely, the Dodgers, I mean, seem to make a ton of sense to me. And obviously the Red Sox and Dodgers have done business before. So I agree yeah. with you. I think the Dodgers make a ton of sense. I do think the Mets make some sense because they do have a – natural fit to go back to the Red Sox and someone like a Brett Beatty Um, and the Red Sox have called about him before, according to reports. So I think you could end up seeing a bit of a, a bit of a a bidding war a little bit between the Dodgers and the Mets and the Mets. Also, they just tried jumping in on the Carlos Correa sweepstakes. Um, You know, Steve Cohen himself was on the record saying he would have liked to have added Correa, you know, to help, help the ball club. So that right there, that just says, okay, well, they're looking to maybe make an upgrade at third base if they can. Yeah. Well, there you go. So, Rafael Devers, I mean, that would be huge. And I feel like the Mets, they they have a good lineup, but I feel like they could use a, a little something else to kind of just extend that lineup a little bit more. Um, yeah. And it'll be interesting. You know, it's the, with the Dodgers, they could go a couple of different ways. And now I want to ask you, with a team like the Mets, where – you know, like they, they do have a guy like a Brett Beatty you could send back, but they also have some interesting contracts that maybe could help out in terms of some prospects, you know, maybe add a little bit more guys like Carlos Carrasco. They've yeah. been looking to trade James McCann. Yeah. I could see Heim Bloom taking a negative value contract to maybe try and squeeze an extra prospect out of it. You know, what do you think about that? I The only reason I'm hesitant to, to agree with that is because, the Mets have been pretty adamant that they'd rather spend Steve Cohen's money than give up prospects, yeah. especially if it's just to like, you know, cause they don't really care about money. It's clear, right. They're way over, you know, it's ridiculous. Like once Cohen went over, he's just over. Right. So like he doesn't, he's had, I think he would rather eat the money on McCann, kick in some millions rather than kick in a prospect. In other words. Yeah. Yeah. That is the one thing the Dodgers have the advantage is they have yeah. the farm. Um, yeah. And uh, with the Dodgers, they could go a couple of different ways as well. It seems like, you know, I don't know, from my feeling, uh, how they feel about Gavin Lux, it kind of feels like they're sort of in the middle with him. Like they're they're okay with starting him at shortstop. But I feel like, I don't know, I'm not sure if they would be willing to give him up in a trade. But for someone like a Raphael Devers, maybe that's possible. If you were to think of, you know, if you were to lean one way with the Dodgers, what, what do you think more likely they would probably give up? Because me, I'm the way I'm thinking of from the Red Sox point of view, they're probably looking to get a package just like they did with Mookie Betts. Some major league ready talent, a couple of prospects involved. You know, what kind of a package do you think would make some sense from the Dodgers? From the Dodgers point of view, I would think they would, you know, they've got such a good farm. They could easily give up. Mm-hmm you know, Andy Pajes or Michael Bush or Bobby Miller mm. as the lead piece. Gavin Stone has kind of corrupt up their system to be a, you know, he's over 20 now in value. So, um, you know, there's a number of ways they could go. Now, I, so I think they could make a deal 
get an impact bat for a year like Devers, probably look to extend him, and they wouldn't really hurt them from the farm point of view. So from the Dodgers' point of view, they're like, yeah, let's go. Now, from the Red Sox point of view, you know the Red Sox better than I do, but the the there's always sort of a question of strategy there. Like, what are they doing? Like, do they want prospects? Or, you know, I know you just said it would be like the Mookie package with, you know, a major league guy like a Verdugo kind of. But, I mean, the, the Dodgers, no one really comes to mind unless you sort of consider, you know, Bobby Miller, major league ready, or, you know, Miguel Vargas maybe, who's had a cup of coffee, you know, maybe he could be the lead piece if that works for a guy like Bloom. Maybe I think you could sort of make a case for that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole ton of different ways the Dodgers could go. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, for me personally, I mean, what do I know? I'm just a dope that sits at my desk. But <laughs> personally, I mean, if if you could get someone like a Andy Pajes who has that right handed power mm-hmm. and man, at Fenway Park, he could be a menace there. I wouldn't mind mm-hmm. Gavin Lux because, well, there you go. If you want to have. You know, shortstop or second baseman. There you go. Now you got your up the middle set with Story and Lux. Uh, I would love someone like a Paez. Wouldn't mind someone like a Pepio. You know, sure, he needs to work on the command a little bit, but wouldn't yeah. mind it. There's so many different ways the Dodgers could go here. Um, now, the Mets, you know, if, I, I, I agree with you. You know, they probably do want to hang on to these to these guys. Where, uh, But if you didn't include any, like a Carrasco or McCann, then, I'm. Sh- I mean, I would imagine they would be willing to give up Beatty uh, yeah, as the centerpiece. So. Obviously, yeah. we're getting a third baseman back, so yeah. it could be interesting. I, uh, I, I think it could get to a pretty exciting bit of uh, trade rumors. Um, could you see maybe any other team like the Mets and the Dodgers seem like the uh, they're at the they're at the big kid table? <laughs> maybe some other teams. What do you think? Maybe could maybe some. Uh, like a I mean, the Yankees want to get rid of Donaldson, right? But they don't. Sure. Yankees and Red Sox are not going to trade with each other. So <laughs> that's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, and you know, um, the Rays are. You know, so you think of of competitors, right? You think of teams that are sort of going for it. The only teams that would make sense are the ones that are going for it. Phillies, no, I think they like Bohm, and they got Hoskins at first, who also has a year of control. Wouldn't that's mind Bohm. Wouldn't mind Bohm at all in Fenway, yeah, right-handed maybe. bat. But, uh, you know, I mean, that. Dabrowski's there and he, that's I guess now that I think about it, that's a deal he would pull the trigger on for an upgrade because, you know, Devers is better than Bone, right? In terms right. Of hit, hitting, right. So that is yeah. an upgrade and he wants to win a World Series there. So, yeah. And and it's like one year of Devers, and then he'll try to extend him. And, yeah. you know, Bone's your kind of Verdugo kind of piece, right? You know, yeah. like he's already sort of somewhat established. So like, I guess I've talked myself into that scenario, too. Yeah, I, I listed the Phillies as a as a possibility. I put them more in like the third place kind of, you know, when yeah. it comes to least likely teams. A team that I would love to just do something would be the Diamondbacks. You know, they were connected to Bogarts in the offseason, and they probably thought, okay, yeah, we're not giving this guy 11 years. So uh, I would love for them to do something because they have a farm, and they got to do something to, you know, get in this National League West. What, are they just going to stay out of it forever? I mean – you would think, I know they're trying to look, we'll talk about their outfielders here in a little bit, but I mean, I would love for them to get involved. I mean, they got some guys I wouldn't mind. Um, I would love for the Marlins to do something, you know, they, yeah, but they got still, prospects, they don't have the money. So yeah. Well, you know. And they're not quite ready to win a world series. Like Devers is the kind of guy you would get if you wanted to win a world series, put yourself over the top, right? They're not there. Right. So unless they sort of get involved in a three way and they, yes, they have prospects, but 
you know, they don't have the major league pieces yet to complement him. Yeah. And then uh, one more team I've seen. I did not list this team in my, I put five teams as a possibility. I like to kind of, you know, give love to even the small market teams. So um, I did not include the Cubs in my five teams, but I have been seeing the Cubs as, you know, maybe a possibility. They did just go in on Swanson. Um, Hey, you know, they do have a Christopher Morrell that maybe you could send back a couple other guys. I feel like the Cubs, I, 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 I don't know what the Cubs, I feel like they have a pretty good farm, but I feel like, Maybe they don't want to be giving too much out of the farm at the moment. They're kind of in a feels like a similar position to the Red Sox where yeah. it's looking better. It's it's okay, but uh, maybe not quite there. I don't know. What, what do you think about the Cubs? Yeah, uh, yeah that would give them to mind as well. I mean, there's a lot of wishful thinking going on there, I think. Uh, like, yeah, we don't want to be a, a long rebuild. We're kind of tired of the rebuild. Now let's get back into it. But, yeah. you know, they haven't established that they're a winning team yet, so – that's why I say there's wishful thinking. Cause like, okay, are you like just going to be over 500 and maybe get a wild card? Cause I'm not sure you're winning that, but maybe right. I'm wrong. And, you know, and, and I do think their GM, you know, wants to keep prospects. So, yeah. but then again, they've got, so th- I think they would be surgical. Like, well, we could probably get rid of this guy for that. You know, like, you know, maybe a morale and a smaller piece or two, like they would say, okay, fine. That's, that makes sense. And we'll try to extend Devers. Um, but that's a big, bold move for them because again, Devers you want as kind of the guy to put you over the top. And I don't know if they're close to the top. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see, like I yeah. always say, but I, I think this, uh, this is going to heat up. I mean, it's, I mean, yeah. if, if they're, if they're quote galaxies apart, like the articles have been saying out there, um, I mean, we saw Mookie get traded. I think it was February second of twenty twenty. So, yeah. yeah, we got a little bit of time here. I, I think uh, we definitely will start seeing some more news on that eventually. So, let's start diving in. We got some other guys here. We got plenty of guys here to talk about. We'll be just running through them here. Uh, well, you know, actually, let me just stay on the Red Sox. Let me just get the Red Sox out of the way. I know I'm being biased here, but we have a couple other guys on the Red Sox. Um, you got guys like Bobby Dahlback. You got Jaron Duran, who you know we're looking like maybe some promising prospects at one point, but they've kind of fallen out of favor in Boston. Um, it is crazy when you're looking at the values of these guys. I remember Dahlback. I th- I think last year he had around I don't know maybe around like twenty million of value, and now he's yeah. at zero point eight. And then Duran, yeah. I remember he was in the forties. I think at one point now he's at five point nine. It is crazy. How yep. the values can just like go down like that. I don't know. Do you expect the Red Sox maybe get a little creative, or do you expect them to hang on to these guys? Um, well, they're not going to get much for them, so there's that. And as yeah. we as we show the right, because the problem is the more they fail at the major league level, the the more their stock tanks, right? Because right. the more it gets around, you know, I can't hit yeah. pitching or I can't hit a slider or whatever, you know? So that's the problem here. Jared Kelenek in Seattle is another one. Joe Adele is another oh. one, you know? Yeah. So like these guys, they get, keep getting opportunities and failing. And so their, their prices go down and it's kind of like now they're in the bargain bin um, because the, the prospect pedigree, which was carrying them at first was, Oh, there's a probability here they're going to be a really good player, but then oh, they're not a good player. Oh, they're really not a good player. So that's how it happens, right? <clears throat> um, 
Yeah. So if you traded them, you know, it'd be for spare parts, basically, or bullpen help or, you know, some somebody else maybe who doesn't have as much surplus because they're a good player with a high contract. Maybe that's an option. Yeah. Um, you know, so um, but look, the Marlins could use a, a take a flyer on Duran. They need a center yeah. fielder. He's got yeah. some wheels, you know, so it's, absolutely. It's, you know, it's not the impact back maybe they're craving, but it's it, yeah. give them a shot, you know, and yeah, something. One yeah. out of these two guys, you know, we're talking Rafi Devers here. Um, I think it depending on what the Red Sox get back. Now, what I'm about to say won't really work if let's say you get back like a Brett Beatty for third base, but if they end up, I don't know, let's say they go to the Dodgers and you get Gavin Lux back. He ends up being your second baseman, stories your shortstop, vice versa, whatever. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden, Dahlback could have a second life because he was originally a third baseman. So I could see them just sticking Dahlback at third yeah. if you trade Devers, give him a bit of a chance there, depending on what they get back. Because, um, I mean, when you, you just said, I mean, look at the value of a Dahlback. So what, are you, what are you even going to get for the guy? You're not going to yeah. get anything. Maybe right. a reliever. Um, yeah. And their bullpen's pretty good right now. I think Duran, he still has a little something where you could put him with another piece to kind of close the gap in terms of value. Maybe, you know, if you just needed an, an extra piece to get a deal done, Duran yeah. could do it. Um, yeah. So I would, for me personally, I think Duran is more likely because he doesn't really have anywhere to play. He's more before, if anything, he's a fourth outfielder. But yeah. then you got Rob Refsnyder, who they just brought back. Yeah. So <clears throat> if anything, Duran is just a speed option right now. I'd, I don't know. So that's just me personally. I think if anything, they like Dahlback too. You know, he's uh, he's you know good guy in the clubhouse. The organization likes him. You know, he's a good head on his shoulders kind of a kid. Um, I could definitely see them. You know, just sticking him at third if Devers ends up leaving. So yeah, I mean, he clearly got beat out for the first base job. So they gave yeah, it's you know that. so <clears> they <throat> like his right-handed power. That's the thing. It's he. So maybe he could be a platoon yeah. guy. Yeah, that too. It'll be interesting for these two guys, but all mm. right, everyone. Everyone's tired of me talking about the Red Sox now. Let's move on. So we got to talk about the guy that has been in the news today, and that is Liam Hendricks. Did you expect Liam Hendricks to become a trade candidate? And we have actually talked about the White Sox before. They don't have a whole lot of right. you know surplus to deal from. They don't have That's prospects, so yeah, it's kind of one of these things where you have to deal. Something if you got to deal something, you know, this is a guy who has value. What are your, just your overall yep. thoughts on Liam Hendricks in the trade <clears throat> market today? So, I think the White Sox front office is reading the room, they're like, Oh, prices have gone up. Oh, we could get something, you know, significant back from for Liam Hendricks. You know, he's probably the outside of Edwin Diaz, he's maybe the second or third best reliever in the game, you know. So, and now his contract doesn't look too bad, you know. So, there's some surplus there, as, you, as you'll see. Um, but, but yeah, to your point, you know, their farm has been kind of weak and they, they have been reluctant to trade from that. Um, and they've, they had a disappointing season relative to expectations when Kata had a terrible year. And so like, and they don't want to trade Luis Roberts, who's kind of their star. So like, yeah, there's not much to trade. So they're like fishing around saying, well, all right, let's see what we can get for Hendricks and maybe we can backfill. Because sometimes, you know, teams can kind of develop a closer. Remember what the Orioles did? They traded their closer and Batista came out and he was amazing. So like in the A's used yeah. to do this a lot as well. They were just like, next man up. You're okay. You're the closer. All right. And so like, maybe that's the, the thinking there. Yeah, absolutely. And the White Sox, you know, they got some guys who could just step in 
to the closer yeah. role. Like if you look at the bullpen as of right now, I mean, you have right there Kendall Graveman who can just yeah. be your closer. He's closed out games before. Um, I'm, I can't remember when Crochet is going to come back. Right. Tommy John. I think so. so you're probably like looking mid-year, at year guessing. L- yeah. Yeah. Like ha- all-star break, maybe after yeah. the trade deadline, but uh, they, their bullpen can definitely survive without Hendricks. And uh, if, you know, if that could nab them, you know, for, like I guess one guy that, you know, they're talking about the Mets here where John Heyman was the Mets are among teams showing interest. Um, I mean, they got, I don't know what you could, you know, and Eduardo Escobar could end up helping them. Um, I think he has a little bit of negative value right now. I can't remember the exact number, but I don't know. <clears throat> yeah. Maybe you could do something there. Um, they they need to do something, especially at if you're looking at second base. They have a bit of a hole there. Yeah. Um, yeah. You got some options, you know? So, yeah, I've been on a couple of podcasts with some uh, White Sox guys who like really, really want to upgrade the second baseman. And they're frustrated because they don't think their ownership and, and, and front office are really committed to winning. And so, you know, they're, they're borrowing from Peter to pay Paul here basically, or, you know, trying to get a little cute by trading their closer for to fill another need and backfilling, you know, but the other thing I, I think maybe what is going on is you can often get a closer at the deadline, right? There's usually yeah. somebody who pops up, you know, who's having a really good year. David Robertson, for example, last year from the Cubs to the Phillies, and there are a couple other ones, you know, relievers get moved at the deadline. So they're thinking, okay, if we hang in there and we're contenders, we, you know, with whatever we got back for Hendricks, we can, we can also replace Hendricks's, you know, whoever the hot closer is of the, of the day at that point. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking here, you know, I, like I'm coming up with just like a, just something here, you know, you could have Escobar, you could slide in, you know, go play, you know, you can go play second yeah. base and then maybe you can throw in someone like a Mauricio hasn't quite exactly, you know, found his form in the Mets system. So, you know, this could be something for the Mets uh, and the White Sox, you know, maybe get a deal done there somehow. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I'm excited to see because Hendricks is still very good. I mean, look at the year that he had last year, uh, 58 games, a 2.68 FIP. Taking a look at the state uh, the saves had 37 last year. Uh, strikeouts were a little down last year. The walks went up a little bit. The home runs did go down. So wasn't as dominant of a Liam Hendricks than we've seen in the past, but he still will be a serviceable reliever. Uh, I mean, there's no point even really getting into what teams, because anyone could use a reliever. Uh, I would think Hendricks would want to be the closer somewhere. That's what he signed the contract for. You're paying the guy over right. what, almost 60 million bucks to right. be your closer so that'd be expensive for a setup guy i would imagine maybe a team would that'd be for the mets man like god you just be adding more payroll like that uh that's crazy that's crazy yeah yeah no I mean, he'll have a lot of suitors you know i'm sure they're getting a lot of phone calls about that if they're serious about trading him yeah uh, yeah just because all the contenders would want him and and there's some that don't have an established closer so oh yeah so, definitely so, some yeah. teams. Definitely yeah. some teams. And uh, now let's shift gears here to a, a bit of an interesting one. The Toronto Blue Jays, they've had a surplus of catchers now. You know, you've had three catchers coming into the offseason. You have Danny Jansen, Gabriel Moreno, got Alejandro Kirk. Out of the three, 
it seems like the guy, if you were to kind of pick one, would be Danny Jansen that would be right. moved because Gabriel Moreno obviously is you know highly touted young yep. guy, Alejandro Kirk. Maybe not the best defensively. He doesn't have a whole lot of speed, but the guy can just hit. So yep. Danny Jansen, I think, I think a lot of people would think, is the most logical guy to be end up getting moved. What, what do you think personally has just happened here? Do you think it was – you know, just John Murphy move that kind of held things up, lack of teams needing a catcher, a little bit of everything. What do you think? Um, I think it's some prospect hoarding. Um, you know, so after Murphy moved, well, first Contreras signed with Cardinals, and then dominoes started to fall. Murphy got moved. Uh, Contreras is part of that. The other Contreras, I should say. And then the free agent guys started getting, you know, Vasquez started, you know, got signed. Even Hedges got signed and Zonino got signed with the guards. So all the teams that need catchers said, okay, we're just going to spend money on that guy because they weren't that expensive, right? So they're just sort of taking a shot with the Zonino or whoever. So um, the I think the Twins overpaid uh, for Vasquez, by the way. Because, <clears throat> um, yeah. Um, but, um, so, so now the question, and there's still a couple of those sort of veteran guys, Tucker Barnard still out there, like, you know, yeah. whoever still needs a catcher could still go that route. So the alternative is, so, so, you know, we're, we're confident in Jensen's, uh, value there. It's in the twenties, right? Cause he's a good hitter. He's a pretty good defender. And, you know, so you're getting two years of a quality guy at a pretty cheap salary. So the question then becomes, do you want that or do you want to pay Tucker Barnhart a couple million just to hold the fort down for whoever? So like, you know, it's a question of like quality versus cheapness, I suppose, you know, um, you know, <clears throat> so, but I, I would think that somebody would want Jansen at this point. I don't think Kirk or Moreno would be getting moved. I think the Blue Jays have been shopping Jansen because he only has two years of control. So it makes the most sense. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think it's just a matter of, just value at the end yeah. of the day, you know, teams would be like, all right, let's see, you know, what Barnhart wants. All right. Get him for, yeah. you know, 10 million. Well, that's definitely going to be, you know, cheaper than what it would cost for someone like a chance. And I think once all of the free agents, the, the catchers are off the board, you know, even, even Gary Sanchez, my goodness. But um, once all those guys are off the board, I, I think Jansen could be a late guy, you know, once you're maybe even February, possibly uh like right before pitchers and catchers report i would think th by then like right around that time is probably when you could see a move uh, we got all of january i've always looked at the off season like that january tends to be the month you know you will see some deals in december but yeah. january seems to be kind of you know that's when all the, most of the free agents are off the board you yeah. start to see a few more trades in yeah. january so yeah. uh, i i do think i mean because really when you're the you're the blue jays it's like you're carrying all three of these guys you know and i don't know doesn't seem to so, make a whole lot of sense the other thing is from the blue jays perspective you know they traded tay oscar right i think they still need a bat particularly a left-handed bat yeah. um and so you know it may not just be finding a fit in terms of like jansen for prospects it could be jansen for a very specific bat maybe that's just not out there like maybe right. just not a fit. Like we need a catcher, you need a bat, you know, and we have one. So that's a tough needle to thread, I think. <clears throat> yeah. Now, if you, if you had the Blue Jays in a different division from the Red Sox, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Devers could end up working out because uh, yeah. they could use a catcher if they decide that Reese McGuire, Connor Wong is not what they want to go with. Um, yeah. I Because I, right now you're looking at Jansen. He's the DH. They <laughs> Use another lefty bat here. Kevin Kiermeyer is not the most prolific lefty bat out there. 
So yeah. you kind of have a bit of a log jam here, not just at the catching position, but just as a lineup. So but hear me out. Here's where your Diamondbacks idea, I think, starts to make some sense. Like, you, I think Jansen would yeah. be an upgrade over Carson Kelly in Arizona if they if they want to try to win. And they have a surplus of outfielders who bat left-handed. Yeah, you know the, the values are a little bit off, but you could throw in another prospect to Arizona maybe and make it fair for like a an Alec Thomas or Jake McCarthy, and I think you'd have something. Yeah, I mean, the, the guy that really jumps off to me, uh, you know, I think this is as good of a segue of any. I think we got to talk Diamondbacks now. Now, <laughs> when you're looking at, uh, to me, when I'm looking at the four guys, Varsho, McCarthy, Carroll, and Thomas, McCarthy seems like probably the guy that yeah. you end up moving. The or advanced Thomas. numbers don't look great with yeah. him. You got some blues with Jake yeah. McCarthy, but had a pretty good slash line. Yeah. Uh, you know, young guy could still keep getting better. I've been seeing like, I, I, you know, it's, as soon as I saw, I'm sure you saw this too, of the Astros were asking about Dalton Varsho. And I, my first reaction is how the heck are the Astros going to get Dalton Varsho? No. Like, <laughs> what are you, you, you going to give up, Jeremy Pena? You know, it's yeah, like, right. well, maybe not Jeremy Pena, but you know what I mean? It's, yeah. you're going to have to give up a lot. I don't think people realize how valuable a, uh, Dalton Varsho is. Right. I mean, this is a guy where he kind of can just do it all. You know, he's like a linebacker of a guy. He's 26 <laughs> years old, free agent in 2027, hits well, plays yeah. good defense. He can not just play catcher, but can also go out there and play center field. The guy's I know, first. right? That is crazy. <laughs> yeah, like it is like I don't think people realize yeah. how valuable he is. I mean, if you take a look here. You know, you yeah. got Corbin Carroll, obviously, when you see his value. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. But Varsho, I think people might actually get a little surprised at how valuable Varsho is. But when you just look at everything he does, it makes sense to me. You know, what are your overall thoughts yeah. just on Dalton Varsho? So he's in the sweet spot of value. Typically, it's when you have four years of control because you spent your first two years-ish establishing yourself. And if you've done a good job of establishing yourself, then the questions are are set aside. Like, oh, he's not going to make it. No, and now he's made it, and he's good. And he plays valuable positions, and he can hit, and, you know, he's just a gamer. And he's got four years of control. Like, that is the sweet spot, right? That's yeah. where he's at. That's why that value is high, because the question marks are gone. We know he's good, and he's still got four years of control. So <clears throat> that why that's why it might surprise people. Like, oh, he's not that – is he that good? Is he, he – he's like, yes, he's not a superstar – but he's just good at everything, and it's just sort of a, you know, all the pieces kind of fit and went into one player, you yeah. know, and he's still cheap. So just really good value. You know, you could say, you know, you've used the term unicorn for Juan Soto. Varsho, in a way, is kind of his own unicorn, you know? Like, he's a catcher, and he can go play a good center field. Like, you don't yeah. see that very often. He's a, he's a unicorn in his own way, or not like a Juan Soto way, but... He's just different. He's unique. You, you don't see that kind of a player very often. And his bat is only getting better. So yeah. I think te teams would love Varsho. I'm not surprised to see him in the rumor mill. But for the Astros, they got they got a couple of guys there. You know, you got like a Corey Lee. Uh, you know, but there's not a whole lot when it comes no. to prospect value there. So no, I, I actually really like bad. the idea of yeah. the the Jansen and you know maybe for someone like a McCarthy you could yeah. honestly probably just do a straight up trade yeah. with those guys yeah you know that'd be pretty you, close yeah it is pretty I think Jan what is Jansen around like 20 he's uh 24.9 while McCarthy is 
at 29.5. So, I mean, yeah. you know, if they feel like Close those two much. players are pretty yeah. maybe even, I don't know. Yeah. I could I could see a just straight-up swap of those guys. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. And then the Blue Jays could put McCarthy – well, I don't know if he's a center fielder or not. I don't remember. I think he can. Yeah, um, and if not, you, you know, just rotate him with the designated hitter spot, you know. Yeah. Yeah. They're trying to get Springer out of center. They want to move him to right. So they would prefer yeah. a guy who can play center. But yeah. So Ke- Kiermeyer, according to the reports, you know, he has been told that he will be the center fielder. Like he, okay. that's his job to lose. Yeah. Um, it, which I kind of expected at first. I'm thinking like, oh man, Kiermeyer, but he's kind of one of those intangible kind of guys where does, you know, sure, maybe not a whole lot with the stat line, but he kind of just brings like that leadership, you know, yeah. to a team. So the question yeah, is, is there's health though, because he just got yeah. major surgery. So like, is he, yeah. what's, what does he have left in the tank is the question. That is, yeah, definitely a valid point right there. So, but yeah, with the diamondbacks, I, I'm, when I saw them getting in on Bogarts, when I saw them connected, I, I'm like, finally, finally, <laughs> they're just waking up a little bit. It's like, do something like you, yeah. the giants just signed Correa. The Padres don't stop ever making moves. The Dodgers are the Dodgers. Like you have to do something. So yeah. I, I think the diamondbacks are wanting to compete. I think they could be a, like a sneaky third wild card, kind of a contender, like kind of like the Orioles last year. I think they could be in that position. Yeah. Yeah, they're they in a similar spot. Yeah, and their farm is really, really strong. In addition to which, they've got these guys that have already come up. And so, in addition to these guys, they've got more coming. So it's yeah. it's it's they're in a good spot. Oh yeah, I, I think the Diamondbacks. You could see them very similar position like the Guardians, where where yeah. they were in this year. Now maybe yeah. not you no know, winning a division, but just a young team that is just all of a sudden they're just winning games. So. We'll have to wait and see on the Diamondbacks. I, I'm very, very curious. I don't think Alec Thomas will end up getting moved because he just has the ceiling. Um, so yeah, to me, I think we both agree. McCarthy probably is the guy to move. So let's move yeah. on here. Let's move on. And uh, we talked about, you know, we're talking about the Diamondbacks, right? You know, got to do something. Well, the Marlins got to do something too. You know, they, this is a team where, you know, a couple of years ago, remember that, you know, the 2020 playoffs yeah. in the yeah. short season yeah. all of a sudden they're making it to the first round i mean obviously they had that short season to help them out a little bit but people were like all right here come the marlins okay and now it's just continues yeah. to be a dud and yeah. the guy that they have is pablo lopez he's been on the rumor mill just forever now and uh i would think at some point you got to do something here do you expect pablo lopez you know, if you were to lean one way, do you think he goes this off season, or do you think they just hang on to him until the deadline? I think he goes this off season, just because we were talking earlier about the the free agent market for pitchers and how it's ridiculous and they're overpaying for Jordan Lyles and Trevor Williams. I'm like, come on, <laughs> like you know, and yeah. and so there's and there's still more appetite, you know. So so for pitching, so uh, you know, I I can see him being moved. And he is good enough, I think. To, you know, we also talked about the log jam of people don't want want to trade their prospects, but he is good enough to say, okay, we can move somebody for him. Um, and from the Marlins' perspective, I mean, if you look at their lineup, oh, it's just horrible, right? There's just yeah. nothing, you know. But and it's a weird imbalance because you know, then you got the rotation with Alcantara, and you've got some good guy Cabrera, and 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 Yuri Perez is coming, and you got Lazardo, and you know, like oh, 
it's a ridiculous sort of feast or famine kind of thing. The rotation is great yeah. and the rest of it is terrible. So they got to do it. So I think Lopez is, is good enough to be like a number two, probably a three on a championship team. You know, if you throw him on the Mets, he's the three guy, but in a yeah. lot of teams, he's the two guy. He's not an ace, but he's a solid two. Yeah. <clears throat> Going to give you some so, innings. Good yeah. production. I yeah. actually had a, uh, had a little birdie in my ear. I am not someone to ever, uh, I don't really have any sources or anything, but I did have a little birdie at one point uh, say to me that the Marlins and the Diamondbacks were talking about mm-hmm. Pablo Lopez and uh, Jake McCarthy's name was coming up um, mm-hmm. and that. And I, I believe this person that told me that because he, he knows someone within the uh, organization with the Diamondbacks. And he was saying mm-hmm. like, yeah. And when he told me, I'm like, Oh, you know what? That actually kind of does make some sense because mm-hmm. their values are pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously the Marlins are looking for bats. The Diamondbacks could use a pitcher. Uh, yeah. to me, Pablo Lopez is a perfect fit for the Diamondbacks. When you look at just the trades and everything, you know, they could use yeah. another guy in that rotation. Uh, what, what would you think? What, what do you think about Pablo Lopez as a, as a Diamondback? I like it as a number two behind Gallon. I think he's slightly better than, uh, Merrill Kelly, who's kind of just a, yeah, you know, okay. So, you know, but I think the question is, are they ready to contend? Because he's only got two years of control. Yeah. Unless they can, you know, that. So if you're spending capital on Pablo Lopez, you have to be pretty confident that you're going for the wild card this year and, and, and into next year. Otherwise, you're wasting his value this year. Yeah. Unless they do some kind of an extension or something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. then, you know, maybe he wants to go test the market. So, yeah. I don't know. You know, the other, the other thing I should add, teams have been... Teams will jump the gun sometimes and trade for a guy a year early or sign a guy a year early. So you look at what the Rangers did by signing Seager and Simeon. They knew they were not going to contend in 2022, but they wanted these guys and they wanted to start to send a signal to the market that they were getting serious. And the Diamondbacks are sort of in the same boat. So I could see them saying, okay, yeah, we're a year away, but we're sending a signal here and we want to get a guy now. So it's okay. Yeah. Well, Pablo Lopez definitely will have a lot of suitors out there. You know, I've seen the Orioles as a team that could uh, make some sense, get another starter there. uh, Yeah, I like that fit a lot, actually, because they're a little bit ahead of the Diamondbacks in their curve, right? Because they're going for the playoffs now. So, and he would fit, and they need starters because their other starters are not really all that proven. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think that would be, it's like he might even be the number one guy on that rotation until. until uh, Grayson Rodriguez comes up. so Yeah, that would be yeah. a pretty nice pairing with those two. I yeah. think Grayson Rodriguez is going to be an absolute stud. Yeah. I think he's going to be great. Lopez would be great. Uh, he To me, he seems like a guy that's like a just a good fit for a team that's up and coming, you know, yeah. like that's right there ready. And it, it just brings stability to your rotation. That's what I think Pablo Lopez, that's where he's most valuable to me. Now, yeah. a guy that... I think is uh, very valuable to the Pittsburgh Pirates and uh, uh, unfortunately not able to get him signed to an extension, according to reports, Brian Reynolds. Uh, we've talked a lot of Brian Reynolds and we've both said on in the, we've been on the record saying, why would the Pirates trade Brian Reynolds? I mean, this is a guy where you could just build around this guy, but Hey, I mean, I, I guess they tried, they tried doing an extension, but, the Pirates are going to Pirates, and it seems like they're maybe being a little cheap with Brian Reynolds. So, and uh, you know, I actually got to I got to actually get your opinion on this. When I saw 
the Pirates put out a like a PR statement on it. I don't think I've ever seen that before. You know, like a team saying like, yeah, Brian Reynolds, this is our center fielder next year. We're disappointed in him asking for this, but we're excited for him to be a Pirate. I, what what are your yeah. thoughts on? I never, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that, honestly. Yeah, no. Well, it's unusual for baseball players to request a trade. You see it more in the NBA or you know other sports. Yeah, you don't see it very often in baseball, no. and I think that's what prompted it. And and you know, I think Ben Charrington, the Pirates GM, is a savvy guy. He used to be the Red Sox GM, as you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and. Um, you know, I think it's about leverage, right? So, yes. so if if the news cycle is saying, "Hey, Brian Reynolds is requesting a trade," they don't want to look like they're on the back foot. They want to say, "Sorry, no, we have control of him. I'm sorry, we're not we're not moving him. We're going to own this news cycle and just put a stop to that talk right now." I thought it was. So great. I think that's that, and then that gives them more leverage to say, "Yes, we don't. Oh, yeah. We're not desperate. We're not going to move him for less than he's worth." So, yeah. I think that's what that was about. Yeah, when I did a video on it, when I was talking about it, that was like the main thing that I kept referring back to was leverage, right? Because yep. because if you don't say anything, well, then you know, obviously the uh, the perception is, oh, okay, well, all right, <laughs> cool, we can probably get him for a couple of prospects, sweet. Um, but no, he is very valuable. If we take a look here at the value of a Brian Reynolds, you're looking at right around 60 million of surplus value. He's not yep. going to be cheap. Why? He's very good. He has control. He can play a center field, a valuable position. And uh, hey, you know, Reynolds, I wonder if maybe it's going to take a little bit more time to move. Uh, teams maybe just wait on that price to come down. Um, you know, when I actually want to ask you about this, like, because we hear all the time, asking price is, is extraordinarily high for player X or right. asking prices through the roof. When you see a statement like that, when you, when obviously you know, these numbers extremely well, when you hear the term, like the asking price is through the roof, what do you think in terms of like a number, a surplus value number, what do you think that number is? Like, What exactly do you think is a, uh, a through the roof asking price? Uh, well, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I look at his surplus and it's about 60. So if he was, um, you know, one of the things that sort of we ground ourselves in is we always sort of do a cross check in, in, in terms of a free agent. Like if you were a free agent and you made a deal, let's say only three years, you see all these 13-year deals and 11-year deals. If Brian Reynolds was only a three-year deal, you know, what would his AAV be? And, and we're saying it'd be about 31. You know, if you extended him longer, it would get down into the 20s. And so it starts to make sense because he's comparable to some of these guys who are sort of putting up similar numbers who get, you know, these longer term deals like that. So three years of Brian Reynolds at a 31 AAV gives you 93 and he's going to make 33. So there's your 60 in surplus. So that's the math. And so when I say, oh, he's got a high asking price. You know, that's just sort of reporters who don't do the math and they're sort of reporting what they hear, you know, behind the scenes, the teams, I, I, you know, I do believe they have systems like this that's been confirmed. And so they, they know what the values are and they're sort of negotiating, right? So they're saying, yeah, well, he's got 60 in surplus, but you know, we're asking 70 or 80. It's like when you're selling a car, right? It's like, yeah. you, you don't want to start, you don't want to, you want to put your price high and then you come down, right? So yeah. that's all they're doing. Yeah. So yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see where Reynolds, I per, do you think he ends up getting moved this offseason or do you think it's more of a next offseason kind of a move? What do you think? Well, you know, I think they would be smart to move him this offseason because yeah. I don't think they're going to contend this year. So you're basically wasting a, a chunk of surplus value if you don't. They know that. 
they don't want to lose the leverage though. So they, they're just, again, saying those, those things because they want the market to know, okay, they'll, they'll, end up, they'll end up settling at 60 or fair value, probably pretty close to that, mm-hmm. but they're not going to take 30 or 40 because uh, they don't have any reason to, because next year I'll be worth 30 or 40 after burning a year. So like, yeah. there's no reason to take that now. Um, so, so I think it's a bit of a chicken game, you know, to be honest. Um, yeah. It's like, they kind of honestly, you know, I, I love the statement that they put out. I love that. I wish yeah. you'd see more of that. You know, <laughs> obviously maybe it's not the smartest thing to do in pretty much most situations, but in that situation, it was perfect. I loved it. Yeah. Um, but they don't have to do anything. They, right. That's the thing. It's like they can just kind of sit there, wait for the phone to ring, and if they get a good offer, okay, we can talk. You know? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's it's not really anything that they have to do. Um, yeah. But in what you just said, it might make some sense to take advantage of the value as it is right now because, I mean, this yeah. is as most as it's probably going to get. Yeah, so it's only going to come, come down from here. And the other teams know that, so that's their response, right? So. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we know you don't have to trade him now, but you know, he's gonna yeah. go 30 or 40 next year. So okay, take my 30 or 40 now. And like, no, because somebody else might give me 50. So like they're still playing that waiting game. Um yeah, it would have yeah. been interesting. I think of the Yankees if Judge had ended up going to the Giants, which gosh darn it looked like he was a giant at one point. And Arson um, Judge to the Giants. <laughs> it, yeah, Arson Judge, man. I mean, he's gonna be a great player for the Giants, but um that I think if you had seen Judge go, there would have I think yeah. the Yankees would have made a phone call. You yeah, know, I, I, it's and but again, dominoes, right? How dominoes they can happen the other way too. You know? Yeah, exactly. So, and so and and, the, and you know, Charrington's no dummy, so he knows that that can happen yeah. if a team gets Smart desperate. Guy. Like, okay, we're throwing in Volpe because we really need this guy now. You know, whatever. So, um, yeah, I think so. And I think the other. Um, uh, thing from Pittsburgh's point of view is, you know, they're going to build around O'Neill Cruz and Brian Hayes mm-hmm. and a lot of the good prospects that are coming. So they're, you know, they know they're sort of sitting on some on capital there, and they can take yeah. their time with that. Yes, they are, they're not yeah. going to win this year, but but they they've got they're looking good for 2024 ish and beyond. Yeah, I mean, honestly, when you look at the Pirates lineup right now, I mean, it's it's a pretty fun looking lineup. I yeah. actually like. I was looking at it the other day. Like you know what you know, I'm seeing some names here. You yeah. know, it can they can end up maybe being a bit of a sneaky team, maybe not a competitive team, but a team where they're going to go out there and play. You got a couple of guys here in this rotation that look pretty good. You got a closer. You got a G-man Choi now, who's just a fun guy in the clubhouse. Someone like a Carlos Santana. He got a, a little better with, when he went to the Mariners, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think the Pirates, they could end up maybe being somewhat decent next year, but we'll just have yeah. to wait and see on that. And yeah, I uh, think those, those older guys are there to kind of help the young guys. Yeah, that's um, what I think too. As mentors, you know, just kind of because, yeah. you know, they want to take the next step. They got to sell some tickets somehow. G-Man Choi, you know, hey, people like G-Man Choi. So yeah. I would go, I'd, I'd spend a ticket to go see G-Man Choi. Why not? Um, but it's funny that you mentioned the media. I have to talk about this. I have not talked about this on my own streams, but um, you would think after, you know, obviously baseball trade values as a whole uh, took a huge step forward at the deadline with Juan Soto. Uh, Obviously, you know, Jeff Passan, definitely a big reason for that, getting the word out finally on baseball trade values. But you would think these guys in the media, like you mentioned, they they still don't know, you know, and it's like you had Jeff Passan, the king of baseball news reporters, you know spreading the word 
And you yeah. think these media, these other media guys would catch on. And one guy, he, he has not done any trade articles lately. And Jim Bowden, you would, I mean, I'm, I'm waiting to see, but I don't know if I ever told you this, but he blocked me. Uh, and I think he saw my videos. I think he saw, I, I'm ripping his trades apart. I go to look at his Twitter page one day and I'm blocked. And I'm like, whoa, I took it as a compliment. Honestly, I'm like, okay, yeah. great. He saw my videos. All right. Yeah. Now I'm unblocked. I don't know how I got unblocked. I'm <laughs> I'm very, very confused. I think Jim Bowden, he's he's watching videos over here. And I hope he's watching this one. Jim, I'm I'm I got my eye on you, buddy. I got my eye on you. But yeah, let's talk about one more team. And uh we gotta talk the Yankees here. We gotta talk the Yankees. I started off with the Red Sox. Let's end with the Yankees. They okay. still got obviously Carlos Rodon was the big one, and along with Judge. I mean, Judge. It's they're the, they were basically the same team bringing him back. Exactly. But now you're better with a Carlos Rodon. But I wonder if the Yankees are kind of sitting around. They're waiting to maybe make some kind of a move. I, I think they they should keep going here, try and get as as better as they can. We got a few guys here with the Yankees. If we go take a look at a few guys that I have listed here, a couple of options. Glaber Torres, his name was early on in the offseason popping up as a trade candidate. Lately, I've been seeing Kiner Falefa's name coming up a little bit. And then there's also a Josh Donaldson where I've been reading that they would love to part with that contract. Um, I, what are your thoughts overall on the Yankees right now? Kind of just yeah. with the few trade pieces that they have. They're stuck because nobody wants Donaldson, nobody wants Hicks, but they're trying to clear the roster spot. It was like, you know, the Padres last year were trying to clear out Hosmer because, you know, he's just kind of stinking up the joint and, you know, costing them money and they wanted to upgrade. And so they just eventually gave him to the Red Sox, you know, for and paid the whole salary. I mean, eventually in the, the Yankees might get to that point with Donaldson and Hicks because they just want to clear the roster spot. So that's kind of a gumming up the works a little bit there. Connor Falefa is just a placeholder. They've even said as much, you know, for when um, – Peraza is kind of ready to kind of man the man the fort there full time, and Volpe's coming. So um, they I clearly don't want to trade away Volpe. They, you know they probably don't want to trade Peraza, but they would if it was like a serious upgrade, like a Peraza, like a like a Devers level upgrade. Um, you know, but the, the the guys below that from a prospect standpoint, I think they'd be fine moving. So I think they're trying to figure that out. But I think they need some upgrades and they don't have a lot of capital to work with. And, yeah. you know, and, and it's weird because the Yankees, you know, they're the most valuable franchise in sports. If you look at Forbes and some other things and like they're playing the sort of uh, diligent spending game, they're not playing the Mets Steve Cohen game of just like going crazy. Like they should, they're, you know, you know, Hal Steinbrenner is not his dad, you know, he's got yeah. a budget and he sticks to it. Right. So they're not going crazy with, you know, they will occasionally splurge, you know, and they had to splurge a bit to keep judge and they had to splurge a little bit to get Rodon, but kind of like, you don't see him splurging all that much. In other words, they're not going to overspend and there's nobody to overspend with anyway. And they don't have a lot of trade capital either. So they're kind of stuck. The yeah. only good news is, uh, DJ LeMahieu, the news came back that he doesn't need surgery. So theoretically, he'd yes. be willing, he'd be ready in spring training. So he could play one of those slots, either second or third, you think. And so they got Rizzo back. And so, um, you know, so maybe they trade Torres because LeMahieu can play third, second. But again, they're trying to move Donaldson. They're trying to upgrade third, but they got no options. So it's a puzzle. And I, I, I'm sure Cashman is working the phones, but I don't see a whole lot of options for them, to be honest. 
Yeah, I mean, really the only option to, I mean, out of all three is Glaber Torres. Um, yeah. I mean, I got one, I, I saw this on Twitter. I actually saw, it was someone in the media that suggested this. They had uh, put up a, a possible trade of uh, Liam Hendricks for a, uh, it was for, who was it again? Oh, it was Liam Hendricks and Garrett Crochet for Glaber Torres. And I'm like, okay, hold on a second. Take out Garrett Crochet first off. Right. Uh, right. Cause that's already way too much, yeah. but I'm like, you know, that's not a bad idea. That's, right. that's not bad. When you one for one's actually a pretty good idea. Yeah. Like he was, he was there and then he included Garrett Crochet. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you wanted to get rid of a, you know, see if the white Sox would take Kiner Falefa too. Um, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I think yeah. the Yankees, that would be a, a great swap for me. Uh, you know, you're giving up, you know, you're giving up Torres, you're getting a closer. Uh, you know, you're not going to be having good old Chapman coming back to the Yankees now. You right. know, you did sign a Canely, but you know, you could always add another bullpen guy. Yep. And uh, and obviously it clears room for a DJ LeMahieu. I think that would be a great just straight up swap. I, I think yeah, just, and also White Sox and second baseman. So <clears throat> and Volpe's gonna be ready probably by like September, and then maybe the starting second baseman because he's not a shortstop, he's a second baseman starting in 2024. And yeah. and Torres has two years of control left. So you're basically just sort of waiting on on that. Um, so I think it makes sense from that point of view. You know, I think the holdup was is LeMahieu healthy? Can he play next year? Can he play second? Sounds yeah. like maybe he can. So there's your there's your answer there. And yep. so now that would solve that part. That would solve the closer problem. <clears throat> Get rid of an excess, you know, one of your only guys who has some value. Um, we still got the Donaldson and Hicks problem, but, you know, um, they're going to have to eat some money there, no question. Yeah, Aaron Hicks, that's another one. My goodness. Yeah. Like, just, ugh, it's awful, man. I mean, what can you do? The Yankees, I mean, uh, commend them. They they brought Judge back. They brought him Rodon. They've needed a number two guy for the last, like, three years. Yeah. And they finally, that's the Yankees. They, you you can see exactly what they need to do, and it takes them two to three years to do it. <laughs> no. and it's it's every time. It's it's like finally you brought him Rodon, and uh, but we'll have to wait and see here with the Yankees. I Donaldson. I don't know what you're going to have to obviously eat the contract. You know if you want to get him off yeah. your roster, um, I think it's possible they could do it. It's the Yankees at the end of the day. They can just eat the money. So, but we'll have to wait and see. But John. I think that is a good place to leave off. Um, I think we have covered as much trade talk as we could tonight. Um, Any last thoughts on just the trade market as a whole or just what are you expecting? Anything? Any last thoughts? So we've talked about all the obvious ones. In my experience, there's always surprises. Like, oh, they didn't. I didn't think they would move that guy, but they did. You know, so expect the unexpected. Always. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I mean, we all at the end of the, everyone on Twitter, they like to think, you know, we're all experts out here, but uh, all we can do is just sit back and wait. And uh, absolutely. That's the, that's the, that's what makes the off season fun. It's those surprises, the unexpected moves. Um, You know, I mean, Liam Hendricks, who, who would have thought his name would start popping up. Yeah. That's already one. So I agree with you. Got to keep your eyes out. But everyone, uh, if you can, on the way out, hit that like button for us. Help us get out into the algorithm for uh, the people that need to catch the replay. Uh, But, John, I want to thank you so much for coming back onto the channel. Always a pleasure to talk trades with you. But uh, we'd have to do this again, uh, especially if some more trades happen. 
Happy to do it. It's been fun. All right, everyone. Have yourself a great night, everyone, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.